So we started to talk last week about how there is one thing that will destroy all of your relationships. How there is one thing that will falter all of your friendships. How there is one thing that if you, if you live off of this one thing, and by the way, you do just by default. If you live off of this one thing, your marriage, it won't last. And if it does last, it'll be painful. Your life in Christ won't go as you wished. Good night, even if you're not in Christ. It's just, it's a painful principle to live by. And so last week we said that the one thing that we need more than anything else in our marriages, the one thing that we need in our friendships, the one thing that we need in our relationships, the one thing that we need is humility. Humility. You've never, listen to me, in your marriage, You've never seen humble and humble have a knockdown drag out. You've seen them have disagreements. But you've never seen humble and humble have a knockdown drag out. Never. You've seen proud and self-righteous nearly come to blows. You've seen arrogant and, and, and silly fight like cats and dogs. But you've never seen humble and humble have those. There's not a friendship that can't endure if the, as long as there's some level of humility. But friendships can't last if humble and humble don't exist. They won't go on for long. They won't go on for long. And so what we want to do is we want to look, as just as we've sung, we want to look at God's word and we want to say, God, this is so important. But more importantly is seeing you, seeing you as glorious and wonderful and the one who humbled himself so that you might have relationship with us. And that if we follow Christ in this by his power and by his strength, we will find that we too can lay down our lives and see many come to him as a result of humility. Now, there's a few of us who are going to have a problem with this sermon, right? And it's, it's only the people that are sitting in your seat. Those are the only people who are going to have a problem with this. It's only going to be the person standing on the stage. Those are the only people who are going to have problems with this. We, we love our pride. We love being right. We love being righteous in ourselves. We love it. We can't get enough of it. If it was a drug, I'd need a detox. If it was a lover, I would have left my wife. If it was, listen to me, if it was if it was, if pride was a way to get up the corporate ladder, I would have climbed that ladder several times. It's just, it's the most alluring thing because what it does is it makes us be the king of our own hearts. There's nothing wrong with me. In fact, if you find something wrong with you, your pride can easily take over and you don't have to feel that pain. See, this pride kills us, kills relationships, kills any attempt at our closeness with God. See, it, it's pride. You know, have you ever heard of any mischief in churches, any disagreements or factions? You know what the father of that was? Pride. You know what the father of your arguments at home are? Pride. Do you know what keeps you bubbled and unable to break free from those bondages that have kept you all your life? 
You know what it is? Anybody know? Pride. It's pride. You know why you keep on running back to the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? Anybody know why? Pride. It's what we need more than anything else. What Recovery House of Worship needs more than anything else is humility. But here's the thing about humility. Humility stinks because once you start looking at humility, you lose it. It's like the thing caught in the side of your eye. Have you ever seen something, uh, you know, in, your, in the side of your eye and then look to it and it's not there anymore? Anybody? Any of you seeing it right now? Yeah? No, okay, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, okay, yeah, no. You, it happens, right? Yeah, okay, some of you didn't get that. It's cool. You'll get it going home. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, you see it and you go, it's not there. It's like humility. Humility is like that. When you start looking at it, it runs away. It's almost like um, uh, when you start going, oh my gosh, I think I'm really being humble. humble humility just left the room. <laughs> because, and the reason is, and the reason is, is, not, is because humility is not um, thinking more of yourself. And it's not thinking less of yourself. You know what I'm saying when I say don't think less of yourself? It's not a pretty girl saying that she's ugly. It's not a smart boy saying that he's dumb. It's not thinking more of yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself. Humility is simply thinking of yourself less. We need to think of ourselves less. Not think less of ourselves but think of ourselves less. That's the big idea for today. But the problem is, is when you try to stop thinking about something, yourself, you wind up thinking about it. It's like if I say, hey, do me a favor, don't focus on pink elephants. What do you start focusing on? Anybody know? Pink elephants. So what we're going to do is we're going to fix our eyes. We're going to transition our gaze. We're going to move our focus and concentration from ourselves, which is not in any way helpful in this journey of humility. We're going to look to Jesus. Paul Paul knew that all churches would struggle with this because he was inspired by the Spirit of God. God knew that everyone in this room 2,000 years after Paul wrote this, he knew, God knew, that you and I would struggle with humility. And so he has a passage that we're to look at, where our eyes are supposed to go, where our gaze is supposed to longingly look to. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through Eight. Now, I just want to remind you of what we went over last week. I'll read it to you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in one of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. That is absolutely true and absolutely impossible. Yesterday we preached, yesterday, last Sunday we preached on this. It's not possible for you to do this unless you go to verse 5. You see, our humility, it's arrogant, it's prideful to think that you could do that because it's impossible. We don't. And yet, 
Paul gives us someone to gaze on, someone to change our reflections upon, to help us in this journey. You're never, listen to me, you're never more loving than when you're humble. You never, listen, husbands, would you listen to me for a second? Does your, if I came up to your wife, would she feel loved? If I said to your wife, do you feel loved? If she says no, it's because you're not humble. Wives, wives, listen to me. If I went to your husband and I said, hey, does your husband feel, does he feel respected? Does he feel respected? And if he, and if he said no, it's because you're not humble. Single, listen to me. If you find yourself going to the edge and falling off regularly, morally, you're just like, who cares? Whatever. It's good. She's, she's fine. He's hot. Whatever. It's because you're not humble. The lack of humility is the, is the basis of every sin and the fullness of humility is the basis of every virtue. You want to listen. You want to listen. Now, as we read verses 5 through 8, it is our custom to focus and stand at the reading of God's word. We'll read this together and we'll let it be our song and prayer. Let's do it. One, two, three. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is God's holy word. Please have a seat. So when we come to this concept, when we come to this principle, we don't come to it with arrogance, obviously. We're looking at humility. And we don't come to it with uh, a self-defeating behavior, but what rather we do is we look to the one the only one who is humble. Remember what we said last week? We said, there are no humble people, only proud people pursuing humility by the grace of God. There are no humble people, only proud people pursuing humility by the grace of God. And so Paul knows this, and so he would have us Look to Christ, who was the only one who was humble. And he says this, In your relationships with one another. Now, it's important that we understand that Paul is speaking to a church. A church, as you know, if you've come, a church is not a location. A church is not an edifice. A church is not an accumulation of bricks and mortar, an accumulation of doors and uh, tiles. A church is not 360 Skimmerhorn. The church is the community of God coming together for the purpose of his glory, his fame, and his renown. That's, that's a church. 
And he's going, listen, as you come together, what's going to happen is factions are going to rise up. Discord is going to... There's going to be a sort of something that comes on in this aisle that says, oh, the people on that aisle, well, you know how they are. And there's going to be something that bubbles up from this uh, 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 row that says, oh, the people in the back row, well, you know about them. There's going to be something in us as we congregate that says, I don't like you. And Paul says, listen to me, it's not because we wear the same shirts, it's not because we wear, uh, it's not because we put on uh, the same head garb, it's not because our clothes are the same, but it's humility working itself out in one another. In your relationships with one another, have the same, what's the word? Mindset as Christ Jesus. So let's look at Jesus' mindset, because now we're going to get an opportunity. We've, we've heard often, especially from this pulpit, we've heard great men like Pastor Gus and Pastor Ray preach the gospel in powerful ways. But now we're going to hear about the motivation of Christ in that gospel presentation. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And the first thing... By the way, you should know this. This is just a little piece of trivia. What Paul writes here in your Bibles, if you look at it in your Bibles, it breaks from the paragraph um, model and, 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 and the format. It breaks from the paragraph format and it breaks into a stanza format. It's in stanzas. Because this was an early church hymn. This is a song that they sung. But it was a song that they sung to remind themselves of the truth of what Scripture was teaching. And here, here's the song. Here's this beautiful song with so much profound meaning. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The first thing you need to know, listen, and this everybody should hear. This song was from the earliest church. You know how people will say, and let me speak to my skeptic friends because I came to church as a skeptic. You got to understand, I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, zero, nothing. I have friends here who could tell you how antagonistic I was towards any kind of faith, especially the Christian faith. I thought you guys were a bunch of hypocrites. Came to become one of you and found out I was right. <laughs> bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, right, okay. It's, it's, it's keep coming, it's okay. Found out I was right about every one of us, a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of fornicators, a bunch of liars and thieves who have been so swept up by the love of God, you can't keep the water in your eyes, you can't keep your mouth from singing because God loves and redeems failures. And so we have to have the same mindset of Christ. Now think about this. What was his mindset? who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. Again, going back to my, because um, I'm talking to my skeptic friends. I was a skeptic. This, we would say, is proof that the early church did not invent Christ's deity. In other words, some people believe that the, what happened was that the early church, Jesus never taught that he was God. 
and then years and years and years, and then legend, because you, you have to put years, and then legend crept in, and later on, Jesus became God. This is as early as you get. You get as early as the first account, first eyewitnesses. This is the song they were singing. Who being in very nature, who being in essence, who being in his person, God. First thing you need to know is that Jesus taught that he was God and the early church believed that he was God. This is important for my skeptic friends to understand because Jesus evokes an incredible response. Jesus' response was never ho-hum. Jesus' response was never plain. The response to Jesus was always radical. It was either kill him, crucify him, or fall at your feet and worship him. But there was none of this American, oh well, just another, just another religious teacher. Not, no, no, Jesus left no room for that. Nobody says the things that Jesus said and gets away with, oh yeah, he's just a good teacher. Jesus left no room for that. You only have four options with Jesus. Four options when you look at Jesus based on his teaching. The first one is that you say that he's a, a liar. You'd have to say that Jesus was a liar. In other words, Jesus knew he wasn't God, but taught that he was God, and therefore was a liar, intentionally deceptive. Why? Why would he do this? To gather people and power and money and all the things that come along with leading a religious group. Here's the problem with that. No one with the moral teaching that Jesus came with could be this deceptive. No one could. And then secondly, here's what we know about lies. We know two things. One, these are the main reasons, not the only reasons, but the main reasons. Two reasons why people lie. Main, not only, but main. One is to gain a pleasure. The other is to avoid a pain. That's the reason why we lie. So, you're 15 years old, you're, you're um, a girl, and he says, you know, would you be with me? Would you sleep with me? Would you, you know, have sexual intercourse with me? And you want the pleasure of his love. And so you say, yeah, I'll sacrifice more, my morality so that I could gain his love. What were you doing? You were, you were unfaithful to yourself. This is a lie to yourself in order to get what you want. If you're a boy. She says, I can't sleep with you. I, only if you're in love. Are you kidding me? I love you till the rivers run dry. <laughs> till the earth stops spinning on its axis. I will love you. Till the, man, you start singing Stevie Wonder songs. <laughs> Until the rain. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. You start singing Stevie Wonder songs. Always. That's what you do. Right? Why? To gain a pleasure. Now, you come home late. That same kid comes home late, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and they come to their parents, and they go, why were you late? And they go, there was this terrible accident on I-95. Why are they lying then? To gain a pleasure? No, to avoid a pain. Okay. 
That's the reason you lie. Now, if Jesus was a liar, he was the dumbest person in the history of the world because all it gained him was death. There was no pleasure to gain, and there was no pain to avoid. There's only four conclusions you can come up with Jesus if he was a liar. I'm talking to my skeptic friends here. One is that he was a liar. Okay, he willingly knew that he was being deceptive, but he wasn't really God. He said he was God, but he wasn't really God. The other option with Jesus saying that he was God is that he was self-deceived or he was crazy or a lunatic. In other words, he said that he was God, but he himself did not know that he was not God, in which puts him on the same category as the guy on the eighth floor of Woodhall who thinks that he's Napoleon. <laughs> Actually, makes him crazier than that because this guy said he was God. And so you know, no teacher throughout the history, no good teacher throughout the history of the world has ever claimed to be God. Buddha denied being God. Muhammad denied being God. No good teacher claims to be God. So my skeptic friends, you have two. We've gone through two of the options. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or, or was it just simply legend? Was it legend? Was it something that picked up throughout the years and that Jesus became God throughout the years? He never said it. He's just something his followers picked up as they went on through time. Well, this hymn proves that that's not so because the earliest Christians were singing this hymn. Before John wrote the book of Revelation, before John wrote the book of John, the early church was singing this hymn. If anybody would have said, no, Jesus, would, Jesus had never said that he was God. Before James, his brother, wrote the book of James, he would have encountered this. This hymn would have been in his possession because it was sung among the churches. It was widespread. So it did not accrue over time because the people who knew him firsthand were still Alive. Brothers, sisters, skeptics. If he is not a liar, and we can't see him being a liar and have that level of morality to teach, and if he was not a lunatic, and we can't see him being a lunatic and then holding his composure as he's on the cross praying for those who are persecuting him, have you ever seen a crazy person be sort of put in a corner? Have you ever seen a, I'm, I'm serious, like I've, I've done this my whole life. I've been with people my whole life who have not been in their right mind. If you put them in a corner, bad things happen. They lose their minds, more so than they did previously. Jesus is praying for those who are persecuting him and making provisions for his mother to be taken care of, telling John, this is your mother, this is your son, making sure that she's taken care of. This was not a lunatic. Was it legend? Well, we know that the scripture, this song is, it predates legend, so it can't be legend. He was either liar, lunatic, legend, or what the scripture says, Lord. He was Lord. Your mindset should be 
the very same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So skeptics, listen to me. Jesus claimed to be God. The early church believed him as such because he got up from the dead, and you should as well. But you should not be cold about it. You should either want to throw a brick at him or you should want to fall at his feet and worship him. But you should not be stoic about it. Who being in very nature, it's good to have best friends. Who being in very nature, God, thank you. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, I need to speak to my brothers and sisters. Now I'm speaking to Christians. Jesus, who was God, did not strive to hold on to his rights as God. The Christian in rebellion, who is not God, strives to be God in their lives. Are you struggling with sin? It's because you, str- you want to be God in your life. Oh, but listen, listen, listen. I got, I'm a man. I got needs. We got to do what we got to do. No, 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 no. You are doing the opposite of what Jesus did. You are yourself. You are not God, but you are attaining or claiming to attain Godhood. You want to be God in that situation. You want to be the shot caller. You want to be the person who can, and you don't give a, you don't give a care. I was going to say flying fig. What were you thinking of? What were you thinking of? What were you thinking of? You don't give a flying fig. Because because you want equality with God. You want equality with God. If you look at Christ and you look at all he did to come from heaven to earth to live the life that you should have lived and die the death that you deserve to die, if in fact he is king and lord, then your desires to usurp him from his throne and sit yourself on the throne of your life just for a pleasure of sin should break your heart. It should leave you weeping, going, God, how could I do this to you? You, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. And me, being nothing but a created being, wanting equality with God. This church cannot be and is the essence of pride. You didn't act out because. You didn't gossip because. You didn't didn't sin because. You don't have bitterness or strife or unforgiveness because you are you simply want to be God in your life and the one who's pursuing humility says oh my he was God and he didn't hold on to his rights he let them all go and let them all go to the death to the torturous death Rather, on the contrary, uh, on the other hand, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Not only did he not hold on to his rights, 
of being God, even though he was God. Jesus is God. But he made himself nothing. Do you see this next step? He lowered himself. Not only did he not hold on to his rights to be God, but then he lowered himself. Now this is powerful for us. This is powerful for us because if you're going to forgive somebody and they've wronged you, genuinely speaking, you're going to have to lower yourself. You're going to have to absorb some stuff. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Isn't this incredible? Like here's the king of the universe. The king of the universe who allows himself to go through puberty for you and me. Allows himself to have acne for you and me. Allows himself to be born in a smelly manger for you and me. He lowers himself. He lowers himself to a degree that you and I simply cannot understand. We simply don't understand it. It's it's not within our ability to comprehend the depths that Christ lowered himself. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Anybody know why he did this? Anybody know why? Anybody? Anybody? Why? Why? Right. Right. Okay, now watch this. Let's, let's make it a little bit more personal. Why would Jesus go through all this? Anybody? Somebody say me. Me. He did this all for me. And you're grimy, right? Me too. And you're dirty, right? Me too. And you're proud, right? Me too. And he did this for you and me. Take it personal. And being found in appearance. So this one who is God does not hold on to his rightness of being God, but rather lets it go and then finds himself in as appearance of a man and then goes beyond that. And being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? He, everybody say, what's the next word? Humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Think about this. Think about this. Right now, this second, death is obedient to Jesus. It's why when you and me are on our death's door, what do we do? You could be, man, let me tell you something. You could be a full-on atheist. You'd be like, oh, maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying, when you're at death's door, all sorts of open-mindedness start coming into play. I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe. But, but. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even though he has the power over death, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then not just that, even the worst kind of death, death on a cross. What do we learn about this? Well, we learn that Jesus, in order to save us, had to become humble. And and that as we look at his humility, believe me, when we look at his humility, there is no pride that can exist in our souls. What pride could exist in your heart as you're gazing upon the beauty and the wonder and the humility of Christ who died for your sins? What what pride could creep up? Let me see. Oh, oh, there are people in your 
work environment, and they're speaking all sorts of bad about you. It's terrible. Uh, maybe they're in your family. Maybe, maybe it's both. They're in your work environment and they're your family. And they're speaking about you in terrible, terrible ways. And you go, what's our first thing? Anybody know? It's go, oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. They, they must not know who I am. Imagine if Christ himself said this. Imagine if Christ himself said, they must not know who I am and just said, and obliterated the entire human race. He could have. Because the fact is, they simply didn't. He's the only one who could say that. He's the only one. But rather, in those moments, what if we said, wait, Christ, how did you behave when people didn't know who you were? How did you behave? You served, you loved, you sacrificed, you lowered yourself. And you go, man, I can't do that, man. It'll make me a doormat. No, it won't. It'll make you the most powerful person in the universe because now you won't have other people controlling your actions and words and behaviors and attitudes, but in fact, you will be in, in control of your own faculties because you're gazing upon Christ, seeing his humility. And so, yeah, y'all could talk about me. Yeah, y'all, but I'm not mentioning it. I'm not bringing it up. I'm not even, I'm not even feeding into it. I'm going to walk with my head high. Why? Because Christ has had had his head low. I can walk with great confidence because Christ took great abuse. You see, as I look to Christ, I'm filled. Filled with the spirit of joy and humility. Not focusing on humility, but focusing on Christ and delighting in him. What if you're tempted? I don't know what you're tempted by. Maybe you're tempted, uh, hey, this is like tax season, right? All right? Yeah, right? Like you're getting the, the um, W-2, right? Anybody here ever get tempted to put like, you know, social security numbers down on a piece of paper that didn't belong to you? Anybody? Anybody? Maybe one or two? Maybe one or two of you, yeah, right? right? And you're tempted about that. And you go, no, 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 no. You see, I am a created being, and I'm going to make myself like God. I'm going to control the kind of way that I get finances, even if it even if it breaks the law. And then go, wait, 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 wait. Christ, how did you, did you pursue your own value or worth? Oh no, oh my gosh. You let them put crown of thorns on your head. You let them beat you. You let them. Beloved, as we look to Christ, we find in Christ, one who did not lie to get ahead, but told the truth and was beaten and crucified for it. Trust him. Trust him. He knows what you need. Oh, but I got physical needs. I know. You can trust him with your physical needs. I got financial problems. I know. You can trust him with your financial problems. Yeah, but you don't understand. I got whatever you got. Christ has whatever you need in him, even if it's the grace to suffer well under, under difficulty. Beloved, humility is not thinking of yourself more or not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking less 